everybody. It is the Fan Drive Time 3 to 5 edition. Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I am Ben Ennis. Yeah, we're 3 to 5 throughout uh, the course of the summer until the uh, Blue Jays are eliminated, which uh, might be at the end of October, might be at the beginning of October. Uh, not looking great right now. We'll talk to uh, Shadi Vidi in mere moments. Um, but it does feel like a lifetime ago when the Blue Jays swept the NL's best team. Remember that? That was like actually wasn't that long it was last weekend that brought them to 24 and 16 closing in on the top of the american league uh east since then one in seven against the yankees orioles and now one game against the rays scoring more than three runs only twice they're now dead last in the al east two games over 500 and yes there were dire moments last season in fact they were only three games over 500 in mid-july but some notable differences this year. The AL East is much better this season. And with the more balanced schedule, that's that's a good thing generally because you don't have to play those tough teams in your division, but neither do the other good teams in this division. So the potential very much exists for four playoff teams out of this division. Right now, that would not include the Toronto Blue Jays, but they can't continue to hit like this with runners in scoring position forever. Can they? We'll find out uh, tonight. Uh, 6.30, first pitch on Sportsnet 1 and Sportsnet 590, the fan. Let's talk to Shai Davidi at the Trop, getting set for game two of this series. How's it going, man? All right, how are you? I, I'm very, very good. Um, it, it is early. Like, it's just factually early. Uh, not not like the, the the metaphysical early that people get offended at on, on Twitter. It's May, uh, but almost June. Does it feel more dire than in previous years and maybe specifically last year? Like I said, I mean, they didn't fire their manager, so obviously it felt pretty dire there as well. But they were in and around the same record deeper into the season uh, a year ago. But like I said, this is a little bit different this year. Do you feel the same way? Yes and no, right? Like this streak has certainly not been a good one for the Blue Jays. And the fact that it's all come against division rivals that they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot against, uh, it hurts, especially with the fact that, as you mentioned, the bounce schedule, fewer games head-to-head. So the when you when you miss opportunities against them in those direct games, you know that, that's got a, an increased cost. But on the flip side, it's May 23rd. They're 25 and 23, I think. Yep. You know, they're, all hope is not lost. They've had a miserable week. They will at some point have a very good week that will reverse some of this. And they're not going to play this way forever. So uh, I think some of the things that do stick out, though, is that for a team that's put so much emphasis on playing clean and attention to detail and making sure things don't slide from their control, I mean, that's happened a fair bit over the last week. You know, as Chris Bassett said last night, uh, you know, we've got lots of things we need to clean up. But the fact is, this may very well be the worst stretch of games the Blue Jays play all season long. Uh, you know, that, I thought that against uh, during that series against the Red Sox at Fenway. Yeah. Uh, this may be that in, in an extended sample. But 
I, you know, it's, it's definitely been frustrating, but you know, I don't think that we should make much more of it than that at this point. Okay, now that you went there, let's do that, because you're right. Yeah, okay, the bad stretch of games with the sloppiness, and you mentioned the Red Sox series. It was freezing cold, and it was Fenway Park, and, and weird stuff happens. But, like, go back to even further than that. Opening day of the season in a, a crazy wild comeback, but not exactly the cleanest baseball there either. So that's 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 three stretches of the season. We are in in the middle of May. You did mention it was the number one point of emphasis for this team at the beginning of the season. Maybe some roster moves that were made to help facil- uh, facilitate a, a cleaner brand of baseball. Uh, the manager was supposed to you know be part of that that regime change that that made this team play a little bit cleaner as well. It doesn't really like, and there's you can make an argument that you know at least the defense is better. They they do lead Major League Baseball in defensive runs saved, but that that clean that 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 like just being smart, playing professional baseball thing, kind of feels like it's it's few and far between for this team. I, I think that's a bit extreme, right? Like I think if you look last night, there were several really good plays, right? You've got Alejandro Kirk throwing out. Uh, a runner trying to steal. You've mm-hmm. got Kevin Kiermeyer throwing someone out at home plate. Uh, you've got a uh, diving catch by George Springer and Wright, and then him with a leaping catch up against the wall as well. Right? Those are all plays that take away hits or take away runs or take away a base that are examples of what you've got to do, the way that they've got to play. The flip side is that they've had a few mistakes each game, and why exactly those have happened, that's a great question. Is it partly some, you know, cumulative stress of trying to play so tight, knowing that the runs are hard to come by and that you've got to the feeling of pressure that, oh, if we don't make this play, then we're going to fall behind and then we're going to have to catch up and we're not hitting right now. I think there's a degree of that at play too. But ultimately, the formula has to be, it's got to be cleaner the offense has got to do its part, which hasn't happened over the last little while. And if the offense starts doing its part a little bit more, then everything sort of falls into place. Yeah. So when you're not hitting, it puts additional stresses on other parts of your game. That's been revealed during this stretch as well, where sometimes it's been the bullpen, sometimes it's been the defense, whatever the case may be. Uh, but again, it, you should never judge a team during its best streak. You should never judge a team during its worst streak. It's where is its level in between those two extremes. Yeah, and 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 that takes 162 games to figure out generally. So yeah, I, I mean we'll we'll do that as well. But yeah, we're, we're just judging what what we have in front of us here here, Shy. And I will say that, and you're, you're right about the 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 defensive plays made yesterday. And I and I mentioned it, the defensive run save thing that they lead Major League Baseball. Um, I, I don't put, honestly, physical errors into that same bucket of, of unprofessional baseball. Like, Vlad made two errors yesterday. I don't, honestly, I don't include that. That was the game, right? And that that is part of what Chris Bassett's talking about. But those things happen. That's not what we're, we're what we're more specifically talking about is the Whit Merrifield, like, running into and out unnecessarily at third base. That type of stuff has been happening more than than you'd like to see with this team. The biggest problem, though, and I mentioned it off the top, they can't score, right? And this stretch of games, they just have been unable to score. And they've racked up hits, and quite often they're out hitting. The opposition doesn't matter uh, because, well, it's twofold. I mean, the, mo- the most ex- 
the the most obvious reason is they're not hitting with runners in scoring position. That that happens, and and that's going to regress. And they're not. They they had a similar stretch last season. In fact, if you just like stack up the 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 offensive starts last season and this season, they're actually better offensively this year than they were a season ago. So take uh, whatever you want out of that. But um, I'm not worried about the hitting with runners in scoring position thing because, like I said, you're you're normally going to hit right around the same batting average that you have with runners in scoring position is the one you have overall because hitting with runners in scoring position is not a repeatable skill. What's more concerning is the lack of pop, man. Like, the, the lack of slug with this team. And notably, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. does not have a home run uh, at home this season. I, I don't think it's intentional, but is that... Like, we did hear a lot about this team diversifying its offensive approach this offseason. That meant getting more left-handed. That meant... Uh, also having players that, that spray the ball all over the field. That means, I mean, to my ear, like a, a bigger emphasis on getting on base and, and, and hitting, you know, coming up with a single to the opposite field as opposed to hitting one into the seats. Am I on to something? No. No. Oh. This team still wants to hit home runs. They should. Like, hey, guys, stop hitting homers. <laughs> just, go, just, just, just punch ground balls to the right side. That's what we want. They keep saying that they, they, they want to go the other way, though. And, and it's very, like, but, yeah. But that's, but, but that's situational. Ben, okay. Right? That's All like right. understanding where you are in the game, understanding where you are in the count, understanding what a pitcher is going to be doing to you. If, like, if the pitcher is just, like, nibbling on the outside of the zone the whole time, you're trying to yank that over the wall is going to work out very often. At that point in time, you're better off punching it through the right side and saying, okay, well, if we attack him that way, we're not going to do, we're not going to be very effective. So let's come in. And at that point, that's when you turn the ball and put the ball over the wall. Right. So mm-hmm. it's not as simplistic as, oh, they're, they, they care about OBP now. So they're going to stop hitting home runs. Like that's not the goal, but you're right. The slug hasn't been there and it has been an issue. And it exacerbates the issue with, hitting with runners in scoring position. Yeah. Because if you're not going to do it by the long distance hits, then you've got to string together a bunch of hits. And that's way harder to do. And right now the Blue Jays are doing neither. And so you're noticing both things more. And again, this is one of those times where a hole in one part of your game, it ends up impacting other areas and highlighting other areas of struggle. Is this is this a like an upper level offense? I do look at the the nine guys that are you know the the best lineup this this Blue Jays team can trot forward, and I don't see a, like a glaring weakness in it. I don't see a, like a black hole. There's there's no just like only there's no like John McDonald's who's a, a glove man, and like I kind of was expecting Kevin Kiermaier to be that hitting ninth, a guy that has a career of being a league average hitter, but he was going to bring the defense. He's been way 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 more than that offensively, and probably due for a bit of a regression. Um, I, I, I think this is still a good offensive team. Is it not? Yeah. I mean, you, you, they are, they're certainly better than what they've shown over the last week and a half. And look, I, you can't take a week and a half and throw away what you saw in April into the early part of May and say, Oh, that didn't matter. Like you weren't thinking many of these things back then because you were getting more production and, some of that was going to change, right? Like Matt Chapman wasn't going to bat 400 all year. And Bo Bichette wasn't going to bat 380. And Vlad, uh, you know, really since since he's missed time uh, with, uh, when he missed time with the wrist thing since yeah. Pittsburgh, his uh, his timing hasn't been there quite in the same way. And 
in talking to him last night, he said that he does feel that his timing isn't quite where he wants it to be, but he feels like it's getting there, but it's just, he's just a tick off and that's tied into some of his results. But Guerrero is going to be better and Springer is going to be the best of Springer is still to come. And, you know, he's starting to get on base a little bit more. Maybe that's turning for him. And you figure there's a bit more in Dalton Varsho as well. So I think, you know, these stretches, they're awful, mm-hmm. right? They're hard to watch. Nobody likes going through them. Fans are obviously, uh, understandably, up in arms. The players obviously are miserable right now. But this is a part of baseball. And I don't feel like this is what this team is. And, you know, time will bear that out. I'd be very surprised if this is what, uh, if this, is what this team is offensively. Uh, but you know, the, right now it's just waiting through the, the period of struggle and waiting for the turn, which is eventually going to come. Yeah, the, the Vlad question is an interesting one um, because he, the, the overall slash line is, is pretty good, right? 846 OPS and uh, 364 on base. Only has the seven homers, though, as I mentioned, all of them uh, away from Rogers Center. We are getting further and further away from that, that, that what is now like increasingly looking like an outlier 2021 where so much of the power came from those two minor league ballparks that the Blue Jays were playing regular season home games in 21 of his 48 homers came there. Like the further we get away from it, like I, 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 what, and I know he's only 24 and you can change the narrative at at any point, but I mean, I'm becoming increasingly um, less likely to believe that this, this like 50 homer Vladimir Guerrero junior season is, is repeatable. The more I see him put up, you know, Pretty similar numbers outside of that one season where there is a pretty clear reason to believe that those homer numbers spiked. Like, at, at what point can we say that Vlad is a good offensive player, but maybe not a generational home run hitter? Just out of curiosity, so if you you think of those twenty one homers he hit between Dunedin and Buffalo, that none of them would have been homers. No, that's in, not that's at, not what I'm saying. No, because this is a thing no, I, I get. Yeah, yeah, no, no I, I, want, I want to let you continue along that line. Uh, and you look at the dimensions of those ballparks, both of those ballparks, it makes no sense, right? Like, it's not like, oh, man, he hit some wall scrapers in, at a fence that was 250 feet. That's not the way it went. But look at the way those ballparks, and I don't know why, I'm just telling you, that, like, look at the ballpark factors in 2021, for Dunedin especially, it made Coors Field look like a peanut. Like, it was... Everybody hit home home runs, both sides. I don't know why. I'm just telling you that that's the way it played. And it's the only time in his career he's looked like the best offensive player in baseball. I, again, I'm, I'm still not, I still don't see the argument because he still would have been, if you took that level of production and put it up against any ballpark at that point in time. It's not like he, he didn't hit on the road that season and no, he, he only did. hit at home. Right. So about, he's, you know, he hit about it. what he's done the rest of his career. On the road, uh, you know, I, you know, I'm I'm not sure what where Vlad's going, right? Like, mm-hmm. you see the talent; it's obviously beyond what he's produced, and the ability is there. Like, few guys in baseball hit the ball as hard, and there are the the ongoing discussions about whether he needs to elevate more. Can he elevate more? Is it a pitch selection thing? Uh, you know, he's still 24, yeah. right? So. To, you know, to, I, I don't think that anybody can say he's a finished product just yet. 
but certainly the Blue Jays are counting on more from him. They believe that there's more in there. He believes that there's more in there. And at a certain point, he's got to do it. And maybe this is still part of his growing process and his learning process. Uh, but, you know, it, until he repeats that 2021 season, yeah, that, that it's a reasonable question. Yeah. Uh, I just I, I just don't like the the in, the suggestion that, you know, the, the, the time at Buffalo and Dunedin inflated the numbers because oh. that season was a strong season regardless it was. of where he was, where it he was, was playing. And, you know, I, I don't think that's the reason why he had those th- that year, but how does he get back there remains the moving target. Oh, I think it was. Um, and, yeah, his road numbers were, were very good, yeah, but they 875 OPS. That that looks like the guy that we've seen outside of the, the home games at in Dunedin and Buffalo. He Yeah, he had a slug of 497, which is very good. It's not a guy that hits uh, 50 home runs. So, I, yeah, I, I get you're right. Time will tell, and certainly he has the capabilities to be that elite slugger just outside of, of, of that season. We ha- have yet to see it. You also mentioned Dalton Varsho there, um, and it's hard not to look at him, you know, and compare his baseball reference page to Lourdes Curiel Jr.'s, who's actually been better than Vlad this season offensively. Um, but I do want, like... He's, he's obviously off to a slow start offensively, and he'll be better than this. But I wonder how much better. Like, do the Blue Jays think that he can be a better offensive guy than we saw last year that hit 27 home runs in Arizona? Yeah, they do. And, you know, with, with Varsho, it's interesting because they, they sort of put him in a, in a spot in the lineup projecting him to take this step, right, where it's, you know, fourth or fifth, depending on the, the lineup configuration. And... In an ideal world, my belief is that the Blue Jays would have either if had Brandon Belt in that spot earlier before putting Varsho in there and having Varsho maybe just get off to a good, sp- good start on his own and then move there organically as opposed to putting him right into the middle of the order uh, so, so right off the hop. Uh, but, yeah, he still has a step to take, the Blue Jays believe. And if he's not, then maybe they're just – putting a little bit more on him than is fair at this point by yeah. putting him in the fourth five spot with the expectations there when, you know, he's really a bit more of a down the lineup bat where he'd be productive and he would be a fine fit. So and that, that one's really a, a really interesting case. Uh, I do think that there's a ton of upside. The defensive value obviously isn't reflected in the, in, in the offensive numbers, but if you look at a total value that he's brought, He's right now a really good fit for this team and moving forward. He's got a chance to be the long-term center fielder, depending on what happens with Kevin Kiermaier into the future. So, uh, yeah, the Blue Jays are betting on a little bit more there. It hasn't happened to this point. Uh, and, and certainly he's one of the guys that the Blue Jays need a little bit more from right now. No question. But, yeah, he was acquired primar- primarily for his defense, and he's provided that, albeit in, in left field primarily as opposed to, to center field. But, no, that's like he can still be an above-average baseball player and a very valuable one if he's not producing offensively. It's just like he's really great baseball player if he's if he's doing both, and he isn't quite yet. Before I let you go, Shai, like, the, there's some positive trends for this Blue Jays team, even recently too, and it's it's the starting rotation, and it's specifically Jose Barrios, who's been better with with Danny Jansen behind the plate than he has Alejandro Kirk, but just like all the underlying numbers, 
much better for him. Chris Bassett outside of the first game of the season, then the first inning, I guess, of his, his next start has been just absolutely nails. And I guess he gave up a bunch of runs yesterday, but only two of them earned because of the two Vlad errors. The Blue Jays top 10 in starters ERA in baseball, actually second in the American League East in starters ERA. Um, does that, like, can you, because I, I do feel like there was an emphasis put on pitching and defense this offseason and the moves that were made to, to build this this 2023 Blue Jays team. Can this just be the pitching and defense team? Probably not, right? It's, you know, the, in the American League East, it's tough to just be pitching and defense, right? Like every team in this division hits. Every team in this division pitches. Uh, you can't just, I mean, you can just be pitching and defense, but it's going to be hard. There are going to be times where you need your offense to carry you, and that's, that, that's been evident a little bit over this last week and a half. And, you know, when you're playing in the American League Central or National League Central, you can probably do a lot of 3-1 and, you know, 4-1, two, uh, 2 one kind of games. But that's not American League East baseball, right? You, you better bring all three elements to the table. And, look, the Blue Jays didn't go into the offseason thinking, oh, we're just going to stop hitting homers and we're just going to be pitching in defense. They just wanted to be a bit more diversified, which for the first month of the season they were, and it played well for them. And now they've hit a, a, a cold spot at the plate, and you, know, they, you start grasping at things a little bit. But, um, you, you know, I think this is a hard division to just be pitching in defense. Uh, you do need all three elements uh, because the, because everyone else is so tough, and they're just – there, there are a lot of hard games. That's just the nature of the beast in the American League East. So, you know, in theory, it, it's good you, if uh, you could, but the, the Blue Jays aren't in the division for that. You've got to, you've got to bring all three elements to the table in the AL East. Yeah, and and generally, I would I would stack the Blue Jays' top four hitters up against anybody uh, in not just the AL East but all of baseball. But uh, recently, it's been a cold spell. But again, it was only a week ago. We're talking about them knocking off. Uh, the Braves in in three straight after getting swept in two straight by uh, the Phillies. But uh, who knows what tonight has in store? Maybe some hits with runners in scoring position. Shy, uh, thanks for doing this as always, pal. Yeah, no problem, buddy. Talk to you soon. See ya. Shy Davidi, Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca in Tampa getting ready for uh, game two of this four-game series against the factually best team in baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays. See, I, I... I don't think, honestly, there's an argument against what I said about Vlad being boosted by those two ballparks, and I get it. Like I And I see your tweets. And by the way, I see your texts. You can text me, 590-590. We'll be checking those throughout the show. I see what you're saying, and I understand the logical argument against it, that the dimensions of those ballparks are not totally dissimilar. I get it. Don't make no sense. Why, why would the ball leave the ballpark at a higher rate in Dunedin than it would at Roger? I don't know. It did. That don't make no sense. <laughs> it did. It it that just that happened. Okay, I don't know process. Couldn't tell you. Could probably get somebody on that that could tell them. Doesn't seem like compelling radio necessarily, but it happened. Not just for Vlad. For everybody. For everybody. It was like the best hitters environment in the history of Major League Baseball. In Dunedin, especially, but also at Salem Park in Buffalo. And Vlad hit so many home runs in those two places, which, good on him. Those still counted. Those were major league regular season games. Everybody else got the opportunity to hit home runs, and they did, by the way. 
But that's the one season we have of his entire career in which he's been everything that was foretold for us. Outside of that, he's been very good on the road. Was very good in 2021. 875 OPS. That's tremendous. It's not the best hitter in baseball. It's not some guy that can carry your offense for a week. Which, boy, could the Blue Jays have really enjoyed like a, a week where Vlad hits five home runs and people feel a little bit better about themselves? Sure, they could have. And, and not to say that he's not capable of that, too. We've seen that, right? We've seen him make Garrett Cole doff his cap to him. But just, I, is this a guy that you're, you're willing to, to throw, what, a half billion dollars at? Like a very good player who plays good defense at a not-so-premium defensive position? Nah. Just, and he's only 24. Maybe it's coming. Because there are, there are numbers to suggest this is a little bit different for him offensively, especially with the launch angle stuff, but still seven home runs. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we're almost done May. All right, when we come back, we will uh, talk to Frank Cervelli, president of hockey content at Daily faceoff.com the most intriguing offseason in the history of the toronto maple leafs it continues as uh brad tree living i guess is the the odds on favorite to be the next general manager of the toronto maple leafs we had some some new reporting out of the divorce between the leafs and kyle dubas we'll we'll talk to, to frank about that and the potential of uh, kyle dubas becoming the next general manager of the pittsburgh penguins all that and more next as the fan drive time continues i'm ben Annis, sportsnet 590 the fan More Leafs, more Raptors, more Blue Jays. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Time Sportsnet 590, the fan. I'm Ben Ennis. Text line is open 590, 590. And now we are fewer than 40 days away from the no movement clauses kicking in for Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and 10 teamer for William Nylander. Maybe Leafs have no general manager. You can send all your trade requests to uh, Brandon Pridham, who's running things in the interim. But um, interesting uh, coming weeks for the biggest franchise in the uh, National Hockey League. Let's talk to uh, Frank Cervelli, president of hockey content at dailyfaceoff.com. How's it going, Frank? Uh, pretty good. How are you? Uh, it's, uh, it's it's interesting times. I, you know what? Let's this is, these are great times to be on radio. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more with that. Um, I will say I was a little bit bummed to see Kyle Dubas's statement today. Like I was anxiously anticipating like, when is he going to, is he going to speak? What's it going to look like? And, and, Today was a natural after the long weekend that he would present his side of the story, except he took the high road, which is like the smart move. And I guess like, come on, you weren't expecting anything different. (laughs) I know I wasn't, but I was like hoping against hope that he watched that performance last Friday by Brendan Shanahan and said, you know what? Screw you. I'm going to tell my side of the story, which clearly like there's an element of him. I got, I I don't think I'm speaking out of school here to say that. Yeah. Kyle Dubas, probably not too pleased with what he saw on Friday, but yeah, that, that, that not only did he watch, he probably rewatched and watched (laughs) again 
the the steamroller that is Brendan Shanahan and the Toronto Maple Leafs just absolutely flatten him. Yeah. And I thought what was really interesting was like obviously when you are in that position as general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, you're assuming that your whole timeline and how you went about your business, at least according to one side of it, was not going to be blasted out there publicly. Mm-hmm. That's always the risk, I guess. But the other end of the statement, I just thought, again, I found to be like really curious. Like, yes, clearly Kyle Dubas was surprised by the way this all played out. And I don't think super surprised that he ended up being out of a job. When you leverage the boss, you know, sometimes you're the bug, sometimes you're the windshield. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. The idea that he went back to the family situation again, which got him into so much trouble to begin with. I just like, unless there's something else going on here that we don't know about the, the hockey world and the GTA is playing the world's smallest violin for you. Yeah. Well, but like, how about a healthy dose of perspective? If you want to talk about like a real, like a true authentic stress of the job, dude, Okay, so the, let's let's get into this because like, like I, I just just for your, like background like where I'm coming from like I come from a construction worker and yep. police family mm-hmm. like those are real jobs and real stresses. You do, did uh, yeah did did your parents did they make like three million dollars a year to do those jobs? No. Oh okay. Yeah. So that that's that's real. And like I I, I put my hand up and even last week said I bought kind of hook, line, and sinker on Monday when he talked about the stresses of the family life and then maybe, you know, stepping away. And then, honestly, if you if you come back and, you know, try to up your 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 earning power by 50% uh, just days later, um, yeah, it, it, it really does ring hollow. But I will say... I don't think it had anything to do with money. <sighs> like, the Leafs aren't... Bal- MLSE is not balking about paying their executives well. Mm-hmm. Not And certainly not ones they believe in. Yeah. So, so but when you're trying to get the sun, the moon, the stars, and your your boss out of your hair, mm. well, I'm sorry, like it's just not how it works. No, uh, it's not. It, and yes, I mean, I get it. The bar for success in in this city with this franchise was low. Apparently, uh, that yeah, he was he was given a, a contract extension at the deadline. Uh, despite at that point having no postseason series wins. Um, I don't know how far down into the weeds I want to get about the statement with the family thing, but I will say this. Like, I understand. Here's here's what I think the point of including that in the statement is, is that there is a segment, and you see it on Twitter too, that is kind of buying the dubious side of this, that, hey, he chose happiness, he chose his family over the money, even though there was a price apparently to be paid. Like there are people that are that are buying that that part of the story that this guy was so miserable being the general manager of the, the Toronto Maple Leafs that he's he's chosen that he's chosen I don't happiness. Think that's even fair or true. I don't think there was any part of Kyle Dubas that was ever miserable in the job. Mm-hmm. I think he just felt like he couldn't execute it to the best of his abilities given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most accurate way to frame it and felt like he probably could have done a better job had there not been someone that is having veto power on transactions. Well, yeah, that I, I at least wanted that. Give me one example of something you wanted to do. I'll that... give you one example. Okay, let's hear it. 
Uh, and I've mentioned this before. It's it's last deadline. It is Brandon Hagel and Mark Andre Fleury potentially on their way to Toronto. And that was a no from Brendan Shanahan. Why? I don't know. You'd have to ask him. <laughs> okay. So, like, in, in no uncertain terms. I can't figure out why. I mean, it seems to make sense to me. Like, Brandon Hagel, good player, end on a great contract. And Marc-Andre Fleury solving some of your goaltending woes that still to this day yeah. haven't really been completely solved. Wasn't the 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 rumor at the time, though, that Fleury, Fleury had a no-move clause, right? That he wouldn't... He no, would... that that's that was never an issue, at least according to the people that I spoke to. Okay, well that is yeah. So that you heard you you heard and saw the reported rumor that was out there. Remember, it was a big thing. It was yeah. like a whole kerfuffle for sure. And that was one that was nixed. Hmm. And I think there's a, a a a small handful of either things that were not quite his idea and or things that he wanted to do that he just wasn't able to. Hmm. And you know what? Like, I don't even think just like for greater clarity on this, I don't think there's, this is part of the issue with the hierarchy. When you have one person that's doing a lot of the legwork that doesn't have full autonomy. Mm -hmm. And it's one reason why I, I tend to lean towards the idea of having someone that's in a president of hockey operations role over the GM. I tend to think it doesn't work. Mm. But but there this, are so this stuff does happen like from time to time around the league. Like just it's this isn't just like a unique Toronto. Oh right. my God, our pets' heads are falling off type thing. Yeah, that's what I wanted to get to because like well one I wanted to know if if it, like on the, the the outside hockey world looks at what's happening in Toronto and they look clownish. But two like whether if that that workflow is totally unique. The idea of a general manager not being able to do absolutely everything they they want to do. And as you said, I guess, like, yeah, this isn't the only organization with the president above a GM. And I, I, I would suspect in those instances that would that would maybe not be, like, uh, standard fare, but, like, happens. Yeah, I mean, it happens, I would say, like, there's certain places where the general manager had more say or final say than the president of hockey ops, like Ron Hextall to Brian Burke. There's other situations where the president of hockey ops is, is uh, involved in a significant way and, and has a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, it all depends. Like each situation is a little bit unique and different and not all of them, but some of them involve like not just any sort of front office executive, but also like a hockey hall of famer and distinguished player who has his own, thoughts Mm -hmm. like there's luke robitaille in la and there's joe sackick in colorado and and of course brendan shanahan like it's it's a different type of thought process and setup and so the pushback to that would be well you know kyle dubas did have full autonomy or or mostly full autonomy and like my caveat like i don't think there are any caveats in that Mm -hmm. you either do or you don't yeah. And I, I've never gotten anyone to push back and say that Kyle Dubas had full autonomy. Okay. Um, man, there's a part of my brain that just wishes... Because, the, I mean, the, the, there is now a, a crosshair on Brendan Shanahan because of, well, the For timeline sure. that, that he laid out. I mean, we see this all the time where general managers fire... The, well, not all the time, but we've seen, like, Lou Lamorello on the bench. Like, we, I, I would... W- wouldn't you love to see Brandon Shanahan say, you know what, screw this. 
I know it's on me. I made a big, bold move, uh, and I've maybe quashed some deals. Guess what? I think I'm the man for the job. Put me in. Well, guess what? He's, he doesn't think he is. Yeah. Because here's the best indication, and the reason why I tweeted it on Friday evening, was the Leafs sent out a memo to all 31 other teams, basically saying, since Kyle Dubas is no longer with the team, Here's your point of contact if you need to get in, in touch with the Maple Leafs about any sort of personnel discussions or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And the person listed was Brandon Pritta. And I thought that was most curious because I was thinking the same thing you were. It's like, you know, it's one thing to say that Kyle Dubas has overplayed his hand here, and I think that that would be accurate. But it's another to think that maybe Brendan Shanahan did too. Yep. Yeah. I mean, th- th- this – seemingly puts him under the gun uh, and we'll get to who is his potential options are you mentioned uh mentioned- i was gonna say it also puts him under the gun in terms of having the conversation with the next person that's due to come in to set all these ground rules dude okay so like and if it's a doug armstrong who i, I understand the report Not happening. yeah okay so you don't think it's happening at all even th- i know no. he, he doesn't have an opt-out and he's got three more years but would uh, there not be a conversation had with ownership there and if there was was they're not like a a, a greater than zero percent chance that that they would bring it to him and a greater than zero percent chance that he would say you know what that interests me no i think there's a less than zero percent chance how is that possible you can't get lower than zero well, because, okay, what do you want me to say, less than one? <laughs> no, it's just zero. There just is say zero. zero. Yeah, chance. just say zero. Fine. Because here's the thing. St. Louis loves having him. They've given him golden handcuffs. He has a contract that he can't get out of, and I think he also likes what he's been building there. Mm. So, you know, it, it's great that the, that the Toronto Maple Leafs are as widely respected and, and thought of in terms of the hierarchy of the league, and – I mentioned this the other day in the morning with with Justin, um, just basically making the point of of speaking to someone that's that's going to be on the, the list of candidates here, saying, "What do you think of the job?" And he said, "I'd give my left bleep for that job." Yeah, like that's how it that's, that's how it's viewed. I, I yeah, it sh- and it should be honestly, and I I think yeah. Kyle... Like going to work at the Vatican, they said. <laughs> oh, okay. That's extreme. I don't, yeah, I don't know if I'd want to work at the and Vatican. And I've been to the Vatican. Last time I was there, it was like super hot and sweaty. <laughs> yeah. and just no. Too many people. And I was like, man, this is not that fun. No, I'd, I'd rather be. And that's saying it as a very guilty, lapsed Catholic. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so you don't think anything that's happened here in the last less than a week has impacted that at all, right? Mm. Well, that's why I asked, did, yeah. did he overplay his hand in the sense of how does that change at all the viewpoint of people and their thought process of looking at this job? I don't have any sense that it does, but I think what it does is gives anyone who would be willing to come in, which the list is long and distinguished, mm-hmm. um, it, it, they raise an eyebrow to it and think, what am I getting myself into? There's There's one thing about the market and the pressure and the history and the demons and all the things that come with it, with that extra large juicy MLSE paycheck. Mm-hmm. But it just, I think adds another layer. Uh, so is it fair to say that Brad tree living then is, is the, the number one favorite to land the job? I think he is just because if you, if you take what Brendan Shanahan said at face value about him placing preference on someone having experience, if you really go through the list I got okay. So let's let's use a real world example, okay? 
the pool of candidates that actually have experience, mm -hmm. some of them have basically eliminated themselves. Like Ron Hextall has experience, but he's now blown up franchises on both sides of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. <laughs> I'm sorry, you are not a candidate any longer. No. And so when you go through the list, it becomes short in a hurry of like actual, interesting, intriguing, viable candidates. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, John Ferguson Jr. Tree is Living available. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Go ahead. Has swung big. He, it, it, the guy canvases the league like nobody's business in terms of understanding what's out there and available. Uh, he's well respected. He's a good communicator, has experience. Like, I just, I don't know. He seems to check every box. Mm hmm. Mark Bergevin checks a lot of boxes, but mm -hmm. it depends on what, how you look at it. In what way? What do you mean? Well, just in terms of what he built and, you know, the Montreal Canadiens and where they're at, they kind of needed to tear it down and rebuild after he left. And mm -hmm. sometimes that's just the natural cyclical nature of the salary cap world that hockey plays in. But also part of it is like he never really kind of got it quite right and the deep runs that his teams went on in the playoffs. How much of that was backed by Carey Price? I don't know. I just look at sort of what Brad Tree Living leaves behind even in the wake of a failed season not making the playoffs that, man, like had the season gone a little bit differently we and the Panthers didn't lose their way into the playoffs and get to the conference final, we might feel a lot different about things. Well, yeah, he may have inadvertently built a, a Stanley Cup champion in, in Sunrise, Florida, which is... It, it's, well, it's not just Matthew Kachuk. It's Sam Bennett, and it's yeah. Ryan Lomberg, and it's, you know, go down the list. Yeah, which is is not great. But the uh, the, the proponents of Tri Living will tell you that, hey, man, this guy's not afraid to pull the, the trigger on a, on a big deal. And I do wonder... I mean, there's also some reporting that in Brendan Shanahan's conversation with the players and alerting them to the fact that Kyle Dubas would no longer be the general manager of their hockey team kind of indicated to them that that there's no big trade of, of one of the core four coming. So the idea of like that being a prerequisite for somebody coming in, hey, you got to make a big shake of, of trade. Like, do you believe that is, as being something that the next guy will have to do? Well, first off, again, not... I've been around long enough to also watch those conversations and, and knowing that they've been said and then it still happens. Yeah. So I, I think it's also a little bit dangerous for the president of hockey ops, unless he's also retaining that same autonomy, which I don't know why he would give it up now mm -hmm. would be making such a declarative statement without knowing who his next general manager is going to be because they might have a totally different view. Mm -hmm. So that and also, I don't know when those conversations took place, but last week when the players were in town and doing their actual exit interviews, Brendan Shanahan wasn't in the room. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Um, the the other thing that might be coming, I, I, I mean, again, if you go by some of the reporting, I guess a trade, a massive trade of one of the big four or the core four is not coming, but one thing that has to be resolved, and I mentioned fewer than 40 days to do it, is decide what's happening, well, yeah, trade-wise, but have contract discussions with Austin Matthews and, um, to a lesser extent, I guess, William Nylander, who become free agents at the conclusion of next year. And, again, no trade clauses kicking in on July 1st for Matthews. 
There's been some reporting that, that Matthews would be less inclined now to sign an extension with this team, considering mm -hmm. the uncertainty. Where do you land there? Yeah, I've been doing that reporting. Okay, well I've then... been saying, hey, like, <laughs> I don't know what the percentage is of Austin Matthews leaving. All I can tell you is that it's multiplied by a factor since Kyle Dubas, you know, was, was punted out the door. Mm -hmm. That's... that. Again, I, I'm not saying it's a it's a big number. It might be 10%. It might be more than that. Whatever it is, that chance, uh, you know, really rocketed in a big way because he's he was so tight with Kyle Dubas, believed in in what he was building, his thought process, his plan, how he managed the team on a day to day basis. Like there just was an understanding there that he, you know here's what the plan is and you're a huge part of it and here's how I want to do it. Mm -hmm. And they were in lockstep. And now I'm not saying that that can't be the case moving forward with someone else. Of course it could. It's just, it's the fear of the unknown right now. Yeah, so is that is, is it more like the long-term vision of this organization or is it the human being no longer being there that that could be the holdup for, for Austin Matthews? That he's just like, he's too tight with, with, with Kyle Dubas and the fact that he was shipped out of town that doesn't sit right with him or is it like, hey, we just don't know who the next guy is and, and what if he's able to sell his vision on, on what the, the next, whatever, five to ten years look for this this team and he, and he buys that, that maybe we are talking about uh, an extension like is it is it a personal thing do you think with austin matthews and dubas or just a, a direction of the franchise thing i think it's too soon to tell i think it's mostly a too uh a too soon to tell and and it's not so much personal i'm sure that probably weighs on him but as weeks and days go by like that becomes a little bit easier like it's kind of the new reality of here's what the situation is but I do think that there was that trust that existed that has been violated a little bit mm -hmm. between player and organization that frankly, like he hasn't really experienced before. So that's part of it is sort of working your way through that. And again, I, I think there is a viable path and a, a, a strong chance that he ends up just, you know, falling in line and, and signing a deal or whatever ends up happening um, that makes sense. But again, fear of the unknown and add in, you know, a healthy, if, if it was, you know, 2% or 3% before it's, it's now 10 or whatever, again, mm -hmm. pulling numbers out of the clear blue sky, it's just multiplied. Yeah. I love doing that too. Um, before I let you go. So I, I, I... and apologize for my dog barking. <laughs> That's okay. That. Uh, it's all right. We'll let you let him out in just a second. Um, but I, I don't, I, I, the the agent thing and like and and Brendan Shanahan bringing up Kyle Dubas's agent and the conversations he had with the agent and the agent bringing the 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 offer forth on Thursday and then Dubas sending a, an email. Um, I was trying to figure out who the agent was last week and then again some more. There was some specificity there, wasn't there? That it was like, yeah. damn, we don't get that anywhere else, dude. And and like again, like I'm just left to fill in all for a reason. I, I yeah, I'm left to fill in the blanks. That here's a guy you know trying to cash in, and maybe the agent overplayed his hand, and maybe the, maybe Kyle Dubas got some bad advice here. It is also come to my attention. I don't that, think so. Okay, and you. Can I speak. think he knew exactly what he was getting himself into. He made a play. And my belief is the family part of the conversation allowed him to fall back if this stuff wasn't revealed to say, mm. you know, instead of I didn't get what I wanted, it was this just wasn't the right thing for my family. Yeah. Okay. And 
because I think on the other end of that, the assumption usually is from someone that has given nine years of service to an organization that at least according to Brendan Shanahan was meritorious to the point where he you know, determined that he deserved a contract extension yep. that you would expect that the press conference or the press release on the other end of it would be quote, mutually agreed to part ways or some other speak yeah. that puts it all to bed. And instead he got hit in the face with a sledgehammer. Yeah, he sure did. Okay, so Dubas's agent being of the Wasserman Group, the same agency that that runs Austin Matthews contract Different negotiation. Arm. Okay, so it has not like I'm I'm not I'm putting on my tinfoil hat for no reason. Is that what yeah. you're telling me? Yeah, I okay. think so. I mean, look, I'm not saying that's not how they were introduced or how the connection. I have no idea. I don't know any of the details of that, but uh, a totally different arm of the business. All right. Uh, Thanks for all your reporting on this, Frank. It's uh, it, it's gonna be exciting. I mean, this it I already is exciting. I, it, it's honestly never seen anything like I saw last Friday, and and maybe more of the same. I don't know. I, I've been doing this a long time. I've never seen a press conference like it. No, it was exhilarating to do radio afterwards. Uh, thanks for doing this, pal. See ya. Have a good one. All right, Frank Saravelli, president of Hockey Content at DailyFaceOff.com. Yeah, I I don't know. It is weird though that a guy. His number one job is to negotiate contracts, right? As an executive, as a general manager, that you would even need an agent. I suppose you know, get a little distance between you and the people you're negotiating with, but that it's the same agency that whoever the next guy is is going to be talking to to negotiate what they hope is an eight-year extension for Austin Matthews, and whether you know there's some hard feelings maybe transferred. Between agents at the same agency? I don't know. Just a weird situation altogether. All right, when we come back, talk to Ricky Romero, former Blue Jays ace, as the uh, Jays falling on hard times, trying to reverse things tonight in Tampa. That's next. As the fan drive time continues, I'm Ben Ennis, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Covering the Blue Jays from an analytical perspective. Jays Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Be sure to subscribe and download Jays Talk on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Drive time, Sportsnet 590, the fan. I'm Ben Ennis. Blue Jays Rays continuing their series tonight. Jose Barrios against the uh, 22-year-old righty, Taj Bradley. He's got uh, a lot of strikeouts. Uh, and the Blue Jays bats, very cold right now, and they need to uh, heat up in a big-time hurry. Also need to play some better defense. By the way, text line continues to be open, 590-590. Let's talk to uh, Ricky Romero, former Blue Jays ace, who uh, joins us online right now. How's it going, Ricky? Good. How are you, Ben? Good. So do you want to do Lakers LeBron now or you want to wait until later to do it? Hey, man, we can do it whenever you want. It don't matter. <laughs> I got time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, you know what? Let's save it for for the end. Um, so Chris Bassett um, yesterday pitched pretty well. He he got some some defensive blunders behind him. And you know what? Let, I'm going to play you the, the clip of Chris Bassett after the game yesterday, talking about his team, and I want to ask you a question about it. 
All right, so Ricky, uh, Chris Bassett's a veteran. This is his first year uh, as a member of the Toronto Blue Jays, but he's a multiple-time All-Star. He's finished top 10 in an American League Cy Young Award voting. When, when is it acceptable to, to start not calling out, but like pointing out some, some flaws around you as a starting pitcher? Hey man, I mean, like you mentioned it. He's a, he's a veteran guy. He's a guy that's that's done it for a long time, and it, it, I I'm, I'm glad he he came out and said that. Um, and and I don't think he's pointing fingers at anybody. I think he's meaning you know collective as a group. Everyone needs to be better because they do. I mean, that's just where they're at right now, and and it's just that's what happens during a long season, right? I mean, you 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 just go through those ups and those downs. You just hope that those downs last just a little bit uh, less than those ups and you're on that up, you know, the whole season. And for Chris Bassett to come out and say that, I mean, you know what? I mean, sometimes some guys keep stuff to themselves, but I, I'm, I'm glad he came out and said that. And, and, and he understands, I think, I mean, not long ago, I, I believe about, about a couple of weeks ago, he was talking about how, how happy he was to be part of this team. And, and, you know, there's so much talent, so much young talent and, this team is very talented and, and we've known that since day one. And um, I think, it, you know, I need to, we need to come to a realization too, that these games in May matter just as much as the ones in, in September do. Right. I mean, you just don't want to fall too far behind in this division. We know how tough it is. It's no secret. I mean, the Orioles have gotten a lot better. Yeah. Uh, the Yankees are not going away. Boston Red Sox, who everyone thought it was going to be kind of the, the team in the basement um, is, is, you know, putting it together slowly too. And they're, they're being led by their veteran guys. So for me, I, I, you know what, I'm looking at the veteran guys. I'm looking at the leaders of this team and saying, okay, what is it that we're going to do going forward to be better, to, 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 to write this ship uh, going, going straight and, and going forward. And, and, you know, it, it stinks when you're going through, through rough times and, and when you're doing stuff like that. I mean, when, when stuff is going the wrong way, obviously it's easy to just say, oh, well, this guy's not doing this, this guy's not doing that. When things are going well, that stuff gets kind of swept under the rug because you're winning. I mean, winning cures it all. I mean, th- th- you know, sometimes people tend to focus on, oh, yeah, like maybe there's some clubhouse problems. No, man, I mean, sometimes it's just the way baseball is. And I think Chris said that last night. That's just the way baseball is. It's the snowball effect when you're going good you know, it, it carries on from one guy to another. When you're going bad, it's just, it carries from one guy to another. And, and right now they're, they're going through it and you just hope they come out, out of it as quick as possible. Because again, these games are important and um, the ALE ain't waiting for anybody, man. I mean, if, if you fall too far behind, it's going to be a hard climb for those guys. Yeah. And he didn't say anything that's not true, right? Like we all watched the game. <laughs> we saw the, the two errors that Vladdy committed, but those, you know, I am of two minds because yeah, the Blue Jays need to play a lot cleaner baseball. And I would, I would be more critical, honestly, of the Whit Merrifield getting thrown out on the, on the base pass at third base. than I would the, the physical errors. Cause like errors happen and, and that's not for a lack of effort or anything, right? Like that, that, that's, that's tough, Ricky, when we're, we're talking about needing to clean it up and play better defense that, uh, I, I don't, like that, it's not like Vlad is trying to commit those errors, and it's not like it's not uh, an area of his game that he hasn't worked on, gotten pretty good at. This is a, a former Gold Glover. I do want, and again, I, I'm not saying that there's some sort of clubhouse dissension here, but there there is a risk at times because everybody's feeling down about themselves. I wonder about pointing fingers, right? Like, how do you how do you like not cross that line in alerting everybody to the things that are going wrong and the things that need to change? but not putting somebody in the spotlight as, as the person that is responsible for, for the hold that you put yourself in. Yeah. I think you just want to make sure you use the right words. I mean, I got, in, I, 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 people took it the wrong way a while back. 
and I'm going back to when when I was playing for for, for the Jays, and and I, I believe we were in Atlanta, and um, and we had just lost, I think two to one, three to one to to the Braves. On the um, I, I lost that game, and I and I and I just kind of said a a quote, kind of like you know, like this offense can rely on on can't keep relying on, on Adam Lynn and Jose Bautista. I didn't mean it in a bad way, but the way it came out, it came out in the right in, in the wrong context. And obviously I had to answer some questions the next day and I got blown up for a little bit. I had to have a team meeting and just, you know, to let the hitters know like, Hey, I wasn't calling anybody out. Um, it's not the way it came out. But so, so that's what I'm trying to say is that sometimes you just have to watch how you say stuff. And I think like, again, Chris, Chris went about it the right way and, and, and he said the right things and, Again, I think he's so invested on this team, which is why you brought him in, right? I mean, you, you pay so much for, for a quality star like that, and he's been as good as advertised. And um, and at the end of the day, you know, w- winning is going to cure it all. And then and that's just what it comes down to. And right now they're not winning, so everything stinks. Everything, everything. I mean, you know, I'm sure coming to the ballpark right now is not fun, but the good thing is that they get to turn it around today. And I think some of the so – I, I was reading – Earlier today, I mean, one of the the things that the Baltimore Orioles have done, and they're they're a team that's up and coming. Um, I don't think it's a, no secret that they're they're pretty damn good. But one of the things they've done so well is it, I, I believe they're thirteen and two in, in opening uh, series wins, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's what the Jays kind of have to go through. Like it's you can't look forward to you know the next tomorrow's game or the game after that. You have to look today and today is the most important game of the season and we got to go out there and we got to win and that's pretty much the mentality that the Jays have to uh go taking for uh go uh, going forward that's what they have to do and 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 winning those series winning game one of the series so that it kind of puts pressure on the opposing team and and now you find yourself in in more and more uh uh situations where you're able to pull out wins that must have been a fun team meeting when you had to stand up in front of everybody and say like <laughs> hey no that's cool like uh I think you guys are all doing your job. I, I was misquoted, or I, I didn't. I didn't intend. Like, what did that feel like? It was, you, you know what? It wasn't necessarily that I was misquoted. I think it just came out the wrong way. And obviously, there is. You know, there was a little bit of frustration, and uh, we I, we had just lost a, 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 a game where where I think I went up against Tim Hudson, and I gave up a home run to him, and um, and, we, and I think we were going through a bit of a scuffle um, offensively, and. Um, and it was more just like, Hey, I believe in you guys. And, and I, I, we have so much talent that we just don't have those two guys because I felt like, um, a lot of the pitching against us at the time was like, all right, we got to hone in on, on Adam Lynn and, and Jose Bautista. And if we do that, we're, we're fine. And I was like, no, nah, man, like, let's go. Like we got more guys than that. And again, it, 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 you got to choose your words wisely. And, and sometimes, you know, being on this, uh, being on the other side as a player, you know, sometimes the media <laughs> can use those words and kind of use them against you. And now being on this side of 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 of, of the media part, and, and and you know what is, is words can get twisted, you know, and, and and it creates a story. And sometimes we we love the big stories and we love causing those kind of stories to become a bigger deal than they are. But I think if those guys in the clubhouse believe who they are. And they know they have all the talent in the world because they do. Uh, I mean, they, they, they really do. Their pitching has been solid, man. I mean, I think early on there was a little bit of questions about Kikuchi and Barrios, and they've they live they they've done a tremendous job so far. And um um and so so yeah, it's just putting it together, and <clears throat> you just hope that the pitching and the and the offense come come together, and and next thing you know, you're going to find yourself winning more ball games or not. You mentioned the standings in the American League East and how much of a beast it is and the fact that even the, with the Jays only a couple of games over 500, they'd be leading the American League Central because that's that's the way that goes. Uh, yeah. and, and the AL East is always a beast, but uh, specifically this year where they're all, not all playing each other nearly as much. 
Um, I know fans are looking at the standings every day right now. It's it's May. Like, are are the are players like physically aware of the standings even this early in the season? Uh, I'm I'm sure they are. I mean, I'm sure it's being brought up by by some people. I mean, I'm sure those, those TVs usually are turned on to uh, MLB usually network type of shows, and they show the standings. And I'm sure guys guys walking by, whether you want to know or don't want to know. I'm pretty sure everyone knows. Yeah, 100%. As much as you think, you, you say, oh, yeah, I don't pay attention to any of that stuff. You, you know where you're sitting at the standings. I mean, it's all over the stadium, too. You walk into the stadium, it usually has the standings there. So, yeah. you know, you know where – and the Blue Jays know that they're not playing good baseball right now. They, they definitely do. Uh, again, I think if you spoke to every single one of those guys, they, 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 they would tell you, you know, well, we're not playing good baseball right now. And, and – and, you know, you can work as hard as you want. I mean, the, the game sometimes can be cruel, and it's not going to reward you right away. But, again, it's the ebbs and flow of a season, right? I mean, you just kind of want to wanna, wanna, um, wanna hit that gas pedal at the right time and, 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 but not fall too far behind. Again, the, like you mentioned, the ALEs is a tough, tough division. We can sit here and say, yeah, they'd be in first place in the AL Central, but what does that matter? That does not no good because they're in the East. And, and, and right now, um, obviously, like I said, uh, if I'm the Blue Jays, if I'm, you know, the, the leaders of those teams and of that team and, and just a player in that clubhouse, I'm saying, hey, today's the most important game. Let's not worry about who we have coming up or if we have a tough schedule or not. No, it's the game tonight that matters the most. And if we do that and take it just like that, I think that this team will be just fine. Yeah, and the game tonight has Jose Barrios on the mound, who's been much, much better this season, uh, just in an overall sense. But he's been really, really good with Danny Jansen catching him, and he'll be in the lineup catching him again tonight and I, I know like we're not supposed to look at catcher era and 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 you know what alejandro kirk had some pretty good uh advanced uh metrics framing balls last season mm-hmm. maybe taking a bit of a dip this year but what do you make of that that it's not and it's you know what it's not just brios and alec manoa's last start he went away from alejandro kirk and and had some pretty good results as well what do you what do you make of 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 the difference in numbers between the two catchers danny jansen and alejandro kirk yeah, I mean, you know what? I I think um, I think we all know Alejandro Kirk is 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 solid behind the plate, but sometimes these guys just need a different. For example, Manoa. Sometimes it's just like, hey, it's not going well with Kirky. Let's let's switch it up, and then you kind of have that communication between your manager, your pitching coach, and 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 you kind of go forward. And, and and I'm sure they came up to an agreement. Hey, let's go with Danny. Danny's a veteran catcher, man, and and he understands the game. He understands what to do. Um, he's going to hit for power, you know, and, and, and he's not going to hit for average. But I think what's more valuable is that he's going to sit back there and he's going to catch the crap out of it. I mean, I, I look at, like, you know, the Houston Astros, Martin Maldonado. He's, he's been a guy that's been, you know, solid behind the plate, behind great pitching stats. And the guy's not going to go out there and hit you, you know, 250 or 280 or anything like that. But I tell you what, he's going to be a master behind behind the plate. And I think that goes more – are further further long than than anything else when you have a solid catcher and, and I think Danny Jansen is that guy and I remember you know at times when I was struggling we'd go from JP to to Jose Molina Jose Molina would get me back on track and it's like okay I got you back on track you know what you got to work on boom back to JP and, hmm. and 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 again sometimes it just happens like that I mean guys have different different ways of communicating with their pitchers they have different ways of saying okay firing their pitchers up or hey maybe they see something mechanically where they can talk to the pitcher and again it, it, making in-game adjustments is on the pitcher but also that you rely on the catcher being your second set of eyes and when you have a catcher a veteran guy like like danny and i'm sure you know again kirk is is, is going to pick it up I, I i have all the confidence in the world 
But right now, if if Danny's a hot hand, hey, let, let's ride him, man. I mean, let, let's let's do it. You know, for me, it's more important to have a guy that's going to be back there working, uh, stealing strikes, and 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 doing everything he can to 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 help me guide me through. You know, six, seven innings, eight innings of work. I mean, we saw Chris Bassett uh, with a complete game earlier this year. You you want to get you want to have those deep outings, um, and and a lot of it depends on your catcher and obviously and and and. And having a, a a pitcher that's out there uh, hitting spots and stuff like that, but I, I just you know again, I mean, I, I I've always loved Danny, and and I mean, I love big targets, and and right now he's the guy right now that I think guys are getting comfortable with, with which is no knock on on Kirk, but that's just the way it is right now, and 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 I'm sure uh, I'm sure uh, eventually you know we'll see we'll see a flip, but again, I think the the right guy for Danny right now is Manoa. I mean, the guy, the right guy for Manoa is Danny, and you just saw the the confidence. You know, a different. Uh, it's just a different set of eyes, a different set of fingers. Or I, I, they don't. Have, I, I forget Ben. They don't use fingers anymore. No. They use a pitch com. So <laughs> it's a it's a different. It's just a different game plan, and, and I think Danny uh, executed well with with Manoa this past weekend. So yeah, we'll see how how it plays going forward, but. You know, it, again, when you have two quality catchers, you can't you can't go wrong with either. And, and but right now, if, if Manoa feels comfortable with with Danny, let's let's keep riding that hot hand. Yeah, yeah, and I would expect them to do so. You know what else I was thinking about? And I was thinking about your career, and I was thinking about Alec Manoa's career, and and both highly touted mm-hmm. prospects. And you were a first round pick, but you had a like a longer minor league career, and it's no fault of Alex, right? Like he had the pandemic season there where he didn't get to have a minor league uh, career. But like when he was in the minor leagues, there was like. He, he was just nails from the word go. Obviously, his college career was unbelievable. These are the first struggles like he's probably ever... I don't imagine that he had many struggles in, like, Little League. Like, I just... I don't think Alec Manoa, in his entire baseball-playing life, has ever gone through struggles. And for you, I mean, you, yeah, you were a first-round pick. Well, you are top 10 pick, six overall, I think. That you... It was, like, not just straight, smooth sailing for you, even in the minor leagues. How did that benefit you, having understood what struggles meant that when you went through them on occasion in the major leagues, you were mentally prepared for them. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing, Ben, and I, I always, it always brought me back to this. I'm like, it's not life or death. You know, I, I don't want to struggle, but it's not life or death. And as much as at times it killed me to, 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 uh, to struggle through a season or struggle through a start and stuff like that. Uh, nobody took it harder than I did. Nobody, nobody felt the worst. I mean, um, a lot of people will tell you, my wife will tell you, I mean, I'd come home and it was like, the, the, like I, I was, I was mad at myself. I was, I was just mad at, at everything, you know? And because I, I know I prepared to the best of my abilities, but you know, um, Doc Holiday once told me, he's like, Hey man, you know, if you know that you've prepared to the best of your abilities, if you know, you've put in the work and you go out there and you struggle, it's okay to kind of reward yourself for that too. You know, it's not, it's not, don't just reward yourself when it's going good. And when, when, when you're at an all time high, because you know, you're at an all time high, you should ride that way. But when things go wrong, if you know, you've prepared well, then, Hey, you know what, go, go, go have a, you know, a nice dinner, go have a glass of wine. You, you deserve it. I mean, it just didn't work out the way it is. And that's just the way baseball is. And when I see Manoa and what he's been through and, and and you're right. I mean, he probably didn't really struggle. He was on that fast track right from the from, right from the get go. Um, you know, the interactions I've had with him through through text messaging has just been like, hey man, keep punching, keep punching. Don't don't hang your head over anything. I know it's tough. Nobody wants to struggle, and um, and definitely not him, right? I mean, we know how much of a competitor he is and how much he 
and prepares and how much work he puts into his craft. And right now it's just not going his way. I mean, it happens to a lot of pitchers. It doesn't just happen to him. But I think it's to, you know, to keep punching and making adjustments, making in-game adjustments, making in-between starts adjustments. And when you're able to do that, you're going to be sitting just fine. I think it's just, you know, you want to see quick results, obviously, you know, but sometimes baseball just doesn't work like that. And I think sometimes when you, when you start um, overanalyzing everything, which I did at times, it's what got me in trouble. It's like you start, you start trying to do too much. You start pressing a little bit. And then next thing you know, you're in a deeper hole than what you were. So that, that's kind of like the biggest message I've, I've shared with Alec and just saying, you know what, man, don't, don't make it a bigger deal than what it is. You're still fine. Your stuff is still sharp. You just got to make those adjustments, you know, whether it's mechanically or whatever it is that, that, that they have, you know, there's so much um, technology out there that I'm sure is helping him, but also don't overload yourself with it because at the end of the day, you're still an athlete. You still got to go out there and execute pitches. And we know when you execute pitches, you're going to be just time. Yeah, no, it's good advice about yeah having perspective that if you if you do everything you can, like yeah, may, maybe just let the the chips fall where they may, and if it doesn't work out for you, then you gotta kind of live with the result. Like say you score thirty points in the first half of a playoff game, and then you know you get you no feel me? <laughs> no you get no you support me? from the rest of your teammates. Your running mate goes six of fifteen for twenty one points. Um, and yeah, you, you get swept by I, the one seed in the West, which should be, and like, honestly, the guy that should be a third straight MVP in Nikola Jokic, who's the story of that series, obviously, but your Lakers, man, who, who are, I mean, I guess you, you could have the perspective of them being a play-in team and having to battle just to get into the play-in and, and the incredible moves that were made at the deadline to just get them to that point. But wow. Um, that, that was something against a buzzsaw in, involving a Canadian Kitchener's own Jamal Murray. What, what did you make of that series? Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, straight domination pretty much. I mean, and the Lakers found themselves in some games, right? I mean, they, they had a chance to win a chance to win game one and, and they kind of didn't, they didn't finish the job. Um, and, and I felt like once they, you know, they, they, I, I thought they would steal one or get one, one or two here at home. And once they, they lost game three, I was like, all right, this, this is not going the, the way that I thought it was going to go. But you're right. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest with you, Ben. I mean, I think all of L.A. was pretty much like, you know, the Lakers are, are done for this season. The way it started, the way it was going throughout the season. And they were a bubble team the whole time. And they we really didn't know what we were going to get out of them. But the fact that they uh, – not that this is – by any means uh, up to par with Lakers standards, right? I mean, because when you look at, when you go into that arena, you see the, the banners hanging and how much it means to them. And, and I'm sure, you know, LeBron and company wanted to win a championship, but you can just tell LeBron too, man. He was a bit exhausted. I mean, you saw it yesterday. He was just like, on his, on his said he might legs. I don't know how much. You think you buy it? <laughs> yeah. He said he might, he might hang him up. Do you buy that? I don't buy it. No, no way. No way. I think he comes back. But yeah, those are the reports right now that he might retire. But you know what? It was a fun season. It was a little cool little run that they had. I mean, they barely get into the playoffs and then they had that playing game and they take out the Warriors who the Warriors were a bubble team all season too. Right. I mean, they weren't as dominant as, as they've been. So, but it was a fun series. And I think, I think that took everything out of them, even though they beat them in six, I think that took everything they, that, 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 that pretty much gassed, uh, probably all, that whole team but i mean the that denver nuggets man i mean they you got to give all the credit to them i mean joker i mean holy smokes i don't think i've ever really paid attention to 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 him playing obviously we don't get denver games here but man just watching him and those the, the guy shoot he's so big and he just pulls up for threes like there's no 
no big deal. So yeah, man, they deserve it and stinks for the Lakers, but uh, hopefully they regroup and come back strong yeah. next season. Yeah, no, I love the dagger where it was basically like behind his head uh, as the short yeah. <laughs> just chucks it up. Of course it goes in. Um, when you earlier said like on this side of things, uh, I thought you meant like as a, as a baseball manager, not someone in the media, because yeah, you're managing your kid's team and you're in the playoffs. I got a, I got a kid's baseball game to go to at the end of the show. How's, how's that side of uh, the baseball equation going? Do you see a future for yourself in baseball managing? Managing? Heck no, man. I, I can barely handle seven-year-olds. No way I can handle a, a, a big league team. No way. <laughs> no, it's been fun, man. Honestly, it's been fun. It, it's, we have our first playoff game today, and uh, we went, I think, 13 and or 12 and 3 in the season. We played 15 games. Yeah, we went 12. It's the, the, the biggest thing, like, like I told them after the last game, I was like, man, they're, they're, it, just remind you, these are seven and eight-year-olds. Um, I said, Hey guys, whatever happens in the playoffs, I'm, we've already won. Um, you know, you, I'm, I'm proud of you guys because of the work that you guys have put in you guys, they showed up to practice. No kidding. I was running, I was running a practice where it was like stations, you know, three different stations and coaches are asking me like, how the hell do you get, you know, 11 kids to kind of zone it in for, for practice. I was like, well, you keep them moving. You keep different stuff. You don't have the same station and you just, you got to keep them so entertained and, and, and interact with them. And I think I was able to do that. And, and, and the way they responded has been awesome. I mean, they've learned, I feel like they, they've gotten so much better from game one to, to now. So whatever happens in the playoffs, cool. If, 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 if we find ourselves fortunate enough to, to be in the championship game, which they all want it so bad, cool. But if not, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's about having fun and, um, and them learning. And I think I, I, I did my job in, in, in that, in that sense of, of teaching them the game, teaching them the fundamentals and, and making sure that they know what to do with the ball and in certain situations and stuff like that. So that's all I can do. I mean, I think at times at seven, eight years old, you see it nowadays where parents put too much pressure on their kids and they want to win tournaments and they want to win these rings and this and that. I'm like, man, like let's, let's learn the fundamentals and get you guys ready for the next level, which is, you know, the, the eight and nine year old or eight and 10 year old, whatever it is. And I just want them to learn the game and, learn to love it and if they if they, if they want to keep going um forward with it then cool and if not hey it's all good but my job was to teach them as much as i could and as much as i know and and, and i've had i've been fulfilled by it man i mean it's it's been awesome that that is awesome and yeah who knows maybe in uh, 2033 we'll be looking up at an mlb ba- a draft board and seeing uh romero up there again who knows who knows <laughs> maybe <man>? hopefully <laughs> <laughs> ricky thanks as always pal see ya all righty, Ben. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. There's Ricky Romero, former Blue Jays ace and uh, baseball coach for his kid. And, yeah, LeBron. Amazing. Truly amazing. 38 years old, 30 points at half. Looked like he was going to put this Lakers team on his back again. It wasn't supposed to be that way because, you know, that was the whole thing. Him and Anthony Davis, you know, two-star pronged approach. Uh, and Davis, as is his want, decided – not to show up yesterday. I mean, he got to the line, I, I suppose, but holy cow. Um, and just ran out of gas, as you would expect. A 38-year-old playing the entire game to to do. And then afterwards did say, man, I got a lot of thinking to do here. I got a lot of of uh, reflecting on, on what my future is. And someone asked, what does that mean? He's like, I got a lot of thinking. And then somebody after the press conference asked him, and he said, yeah, I'm to." potentially retiring, which is, that's huge news. 
LeBron James at 38 years old with almost $100 million left in his contract. He's on the books for next season at over 40 and then player option for 50 after that. And, of course, we all expect him to opt out uh, after next season and go play with Bronny. But, yeah, just factually, if he just played out the string, there's $100 million, and I don't care how many billions you've made. Like, $100 million is $100 million. Also, Bobby Marks, the great job on uh, Twitter today. He of ESPN, uh, the NBA's front office insider for ESPN, breaking down the actual machinations of someone deciding to retire with money still owed to them on their contract. And uh, guess what? It, it doesn't happen, like, ever. There's, not, there's no cap relief for, for the Lakers either. If he decides he doesn't want to get paid, he doesn't get paid. Lakers still on the hook for their 40 million plus in cap hit owed to LeBron James next season. It's it's clearly not going to happen. It was clearly never going to happen. If you want to be cynical, which I do at times, you might say that, hey, LeBron James not going to be involved uh, in the NBA finals, wants to still be involved in the news cycle. Mm, this will do it. And you know what? Thank you. Because Kyle Dubas gave us nothing today. There's like 10 days between now and, and when the NBA Finals start. So thank you for something, for a little bit of fodder. All right, when we come back, despite the fact that Frank Cervelli maybe closed the door on Doug Armstrong, we'll see if Cam Jansen tries to open it a little bit. Uh, former NHL forward, host of the Cam and Strick podcast. Um, whether the uh, Blues general manager would have uh, interest in the Toronto Maple Leafs position. We'll ask him about that. Also, Peter Laviolette was on his podcast. We'll ask about the potential of a guy that's won a cup into two other finals could be prime for the, what will be soon an open position behind the bench here in Toronto. Cam Jansen next as the fan drive time continues. I'm Ben Annis, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Drive Time, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. I'm Ben Ennis, and it's been, what, almost four full days since we had one of our sports execs detail a contract ne negotiation that went belly up between he and uh, an underling. Come on, let's get it going. That was too much fun. Let's do it again. More, more, more. Uh, Kyle Dubas had a statement today, took the high road on Friday. Kyle, or uh, Brendan Shanahan detailed exactly what went down between the two, including a contract extension offer to the trade deadline, another at the conclusion of the season, and then a counteroffer by Kyle Dubas's camp on Thursday and then a firing on Friday. Let's talk to Cam Jansen, former NHL forward, host of the Cam and Strick podcast. Are you enjoying the drama up here, Cam? Well, of course, and you should be too. And don't get me wrong, and I don't mean to mock, but as a fan, no, you're not enjoying the drama. As a fan, you're pissed. As a fan, you're like, no, I want to, I, I'm spending money going to these games. I want them to, to succeed. But as a radio host, like we are, and a podcast host, drama is always good in our department, you know. But listen, drama comes and it goes, but it seems like there's been a lot of it um, up there in Toronto for the past couple of years. 
Yes, there has. Um, but yeah, the the offseason, the drama has been limited to like, hey, will they finally pull off a, a massive trade to the, the core four? And usually, actually, there's a, there's a media conference in which there's said in, in no um, uncertain terms that they will not, and they hadn't. And then, you know, we had a little bit of an inkling on, on Monday when Kyle Duba spoke that, hey, maybe he would be open to a, a bigger trade. And then, lo and behold, yeah, a couple of days later, he's, he's sent packing. And then, like, now everybody's trying to think about the, the next guy. And, and, and who wouldn't want a guy who's won a cup, been an executive of the year, won an Olympic gold medal, done it all except work in a Canadian market, and that is Doug Armstrong of, of the St. Louis Blues. And I know the reporting has been that, hey, there's no opt-out and, the, and there's three more years on his deal. What, what do you think about the, the potential of, of obviously one of the best executives in, in hockey? If he was approached by the Maple Leafs, do you think he'd be interested? Well, I tell you this right now, the fans here are starting to hear about this because it starts to trickle down slowly down to the middle of the United States. And they are not happy about that rumor because Doug Armstrong walks on water down here. Mm -hmm. Like he does. And, and, and rightfully so he's done a lot of good things. And of course he's not perfect. He's made some mistakes and they're in a jam right now. The blues are in a little bit of a jam and, and, and the fans aren't used to this has been such a weird year uh, for blues hockey losing, not making a playoffs. People are like, what, what the hell is going on here? So the fans are a little bit, uh, you know, in a bizarre uh, realm. But, you know, Ar- would Army take that job? I, I don't know why. I, again, money and, yeah, like, okay, you're going back to Canada. I, I, I understand all that. He's a Canadian. I get it. But my point is he has it pretty good here. Yeah. I mean, really, he really does. Every, again, everybody likes him. Um, he gets well uh, along well with, with Tom Stoneman and Craig Berube. Like, he's doing everything right. He can go to Starbucks even when the Blues are bad. And I'm, pretty, I'm guessing no one really says anything negative to him. You know, so it's like that goes a long way. He's getting a little bit older. He's getting a little bit older. And would that be too much for him? I don't know. But, again, some of you, look, you Canadians, I, I, look, I respect the hell out of you. I lived up there. You guys greeted me in there playing in the OHL. I'll never forget that. And there's, there's something about being Canadian and, and working in a Canadian city or being a GM or playing in a Canadian town. I get that. I truly do. But do I think he wants to leave what he has here with three first-round picks? Like he's been kind of – now he's like, okay, we're gonna, I'm going to prove it to everybody. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build this back up and, and, and make the playoffs next year. I, I don't know. I would say no. Yeah, he, he certainly wouldn't be able to go get his coffee in public. That would, that would be a bad idea no. if, if he tried to do I that know. as general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But th- there is obviously an appeal to this job, right? Like, it's not for everybody, certainly. And there's, there's, there's a lot of uh, anxiety that, that surrounds being the general manager of, of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But, like, Cam, do you, do you believe that it is an attractive job? Like, maybe, maybe not for Doug Armstrong, and you, you're right, like, I wonder if that if he if he left, especially at this time, uh, with three years left on his deal, um, whether that would tar- like tarnish his his legacy in St. Louis. Kind of. Yeah, like what what, what kind of? Yeah, what I mean, it he was, won a cup though. Like he was an executive of the year, won a cup. What, I know. What what would happen? I think people would be like, "Where are you going?" <laughs> like a GM that like Doug I'm, again, and, and, and this is a baseball town. Don't get me wrong, but they love the Blues here. They love sports here. You could put any kind of team in St. Louis. It's probably going to work out. Like, people love sports. We're in the Midwest. We drink beer. We watch sports. We barbecue and hunt. And that's about it. So, that, 
but but being a GM in this market, like John Mozeliak, GM or the the, uh, um, uh, the Cardinals, the manager of the Cardinals, not the manager of the Cardinals. I'm sorry, the president of the Cardinals. He takes a beating all day long. Yeah. But I feel like Army, from what he's done and how he presents himself, he doesn't yell at people. He he's honest. He'll call guys out. Like he just does everything right. And he's a big intimidating looking dude too by the way so you know you're gonna you're gonna have to be a tough guy to even try to challenge him anyway but he's got it really really good here they love him here so if he gets up and leaves to go to toronto yeah i think they'd be pretty mad down here now is it going to tarnish his legacy no but like it's not going to help Mm-hmm. No, no, it wouldn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you're describing him, like physically, yeah. Elliot Friedman had that report that the, the Leafs are looking for a GM with bite. Yeah, like he he, he checks all the boxes. That's the thing, Cam. He does. And, and like, he yeah, we, we like to think of ourselves as the hockey mecca up here, right? And like, basically, you can pick and choose. And when there's an opening, we just feel like everybody, you know, lines up to and tries to do whatever they can to get out of their current uh, situation if they think they're they're um, a potential fit here in this market. I mean, is that incorrect? Like, it is still an attractive job to be the general manager of the Maple Leafs, right? Well, money's attractive. You're <laughs> probably going to get that. paid more. But, I, I mean, if you're Canadian, maybe. Again, like I said, like, you Canadians, I, I love it. Like, you're like, no, I want to, <laughs> even if it's stressful, I'm going to do this. But if you're not Canadian, I would say no, especially if you're older and established. Why would you do that to yourself at an older age? Like, it's just, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. It truly is. There's a huge difference being a GM in in Florida and Colorado and Nashville and St. Louis than Toronto or, you know, Winnipeg. Like, there's a huge difference. It takes a toll on you. It's like being the president down here. Look at the pictures of the presidents (laughs) down here and look at them after the end of their term. Like, they look completely different because they're worn out. It just takes a toll. So, but again... You know, like it is, it is something to be the GM. Of, here, here's another thing too, by the way, the Brendan Shanahan situation. Yeah. Like, you think Doug's going to be like, oh, Shanny, what do I do now? And yeah. I love Brendan Shanahan. Like, Brendan Shanahan's done it all. He's tough. He's done it all. Like, he knows the game. I like how he handled himself. Like, he he laid it all out. Like, I was, and I and I get that. People were kind of confused on it, but I, hey, I love it. And if you lay it out, the timeline of what happened with that whole negotiation. Like you're, I would say that you're pretty confident that that's the true story, but um, but yeah, like I, I don't I, w- I don't know anymore, I don't know anymore if it's for players either, mm. you know, so um, it, it's just it's just a different element now. You back in the day, you you play for Toronto in the '90s and stuff, like you're the big dog of the league, even if you're like a third line guy because you have all the attention. Hell, now you can go to Florida. And maybe you don't have all the uh, the crazy fans, but you got a social media account. That's what makes you popular. So you can just cross that right off. There's other ways to establish yourself and get your name out there um, other than being in a big market. Yeah. I, I The counter would be that if ever, and it's every year that it doesn't happen, it, be, it feels less and less likely it's ever going to happen. But if ever you were part of the team that won the first Cups in 67, like, yeah, you get to do whatever you want. Like you, you, you. Obviously, oh, yeah. yeah, like of you, course. you, you own the the town, uh, and it's it's not a small town. Um, so yeah, there is that 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 hanging uh, in the balance. I mean, the other part of it is that there's probably going to be an opening behind the bench as well. And I know you had Peter Laviolette on your podcast recently. 
Uh, you've had Barry Trotz on, and you know you got a job as well. Uh, so you guys are good at, at at getting guys new gigs. This is a guy, and like everything we've heard out of out of the executive suite uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs is that they're looking for an experienced executive, and I imagine an experienced uh, GM is going to want an experienced head coach, and none more experienced than Laviolette. Won a cup, been to two others. I do you think that guy could be a natural fit in Toronto? Well, yeah, that guy he's awesome. And look, man, we do all these interviews. And I'm pretty good at, like, judging how people are and stuff like that. And then also we, we talk. So we have the coaches on, we have GMs, owners, all that. Then you have the players. And when you get so many guys on, like, you know who speaks highly of who more mm-hmm. consistently. And people like Lobby a lot. And I could just tell he stayed on with us for a long time. He was chill. Like, I, you just little things you could just tell. You could just tell. And he's a dang good coach. He gets fired a lot. He's probably had 50 different houses throughout uh, North America, but he's experienced. He's down in Florida hanging out. He's just like, no, I'm bored. I want to coach. So I do think that could be a fit. The Doug Armstrong thing, I just, <laughs> I truly don't. I mean, I think right when I heard that, I'm like, what? Yeah. Everybody in St. Louis, I'm like, I'm talking to you like, wait, what? And, and you know how rumors get started. It's all good. And sometimes you need to throw rumors out to get some the ball rolling. But the big thing is like, yeah, he's got a contract, but like he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to have, I would say, and I'm not speaking for him, but I would say if I'm him, I don't want to have to go to Brendan Shanahan to be like, hey, can I trade this guy? Like, he's a big dog. Why would he want to work underneath somebody who's telling him what to do and you have to get the A-OK? No, I think I think Brendan Shanahan and MLSE would make an exception for, for Doug Armstrong, right? Like, I don't think, hey, Lou Lamorello worked under Brendan Shanahan. Do you think, do you think Lou Lamorello was, was asking oh. Shani, like, whether he could pull the trigger on a deal? No, no, I do not. <laughs> I don't know. But I bet you Dubas did. Yes. You know, and so now you're going to go revert back to it. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know the internal, uh, uh, you know, how that all goes down. But it, it, it's not, I don't think that's healthy. You know, even when uh, GMs would talk to the coaches about lineups and stuff, like that, I don't think that's healthy either. Mm. You know what I mean? Like always in the mix like that. You got to let guys do their job. Um, you could always have, you know, give your opinion, but to be able to have your foot down and have the last word, I don't, I don't know if that's healthy. Some, some organizations, some guys, yeah, I think so. If you're a young guy, maybe a young coach, but um, I've seen both hands with that. You know what I mean? No, for sure. And I wonder because maybe Leafs have some potential massive uh, contract extensions to be handing out <laughs> after after July first. Most uh, notably, Austin Matthews, who's eligible after July first, and that coincides with when his uh, no-move clause kicks into his contract as well. Do you think, like, he's paying attention? How much do the, do the players pay attention to, to what happens in the executive suite and how the executives are handled? And, and who's actually doing the negotiation with their agent? Because it won't be Kyle Dubas anymore. Uh, okay, so if Austin Matthews is going to be like, I'm not going to play for the Maple Leafs because Kyle Dubas isn't there, although they give me the same kind of contract I want, the new GM. Like, that's absolutely ridiculous. But... But I mean, do do these guys hear about all? Yeah, of course, they know. They act like they put their head in the sand, but they hear everything. You know, they do. People were asking me about uh, maybe Wayne. You know, on T and Ten the other day, Wayne Gretzky threw a little chirp out yes. about being a milk carton, and people were asking me, "Do you think they hear that?" I go, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> no offense, I love Biz. I love that he's a good buddy. But if Biz says it. Okay, it's a, he's you know jokey. But when the great one, no, honestly, when the great one says something like that. Oh, I don't care if you're hanging out with Justin Bieber. I don't care if you're in Italy. I don't care where you're at. That's going to get you. 
every single person's texting you like, dude, dude, 99's chirping. Oh, dude, 99's chirping. <laughs> like all that, it, it finds you. So, listen, there's a lot of decisions that's going to happen. It's drama. It's good for us. But I do, again, I'm going to repeat myself on this, but I feel bad for the fans. I mm. do. I'm glad that they got to see they're going crazy out of the first round. I get all that. I just hope that it doesn't break up so much to where you have to get back together. I, I don't know. I just want, I, I do want Toronto to succeed because the fans, man, they pay a lot of money. It's not easy to go to games. You die hard. I love it. I can go to Toronto right now and sit at a bar anywhere mm. and talk hockey with people. I just, I love that atmosphere. And I just hope it all works out with you, man. I, I truly do. Yeah, no, that's the, I, I don't get the dunking on Leaf fans, right? Like it's, yeah, I, yeah the, the organization you can make fun of, but the, yeah, the, the, the fans don't want this. The fans are miserable. The fans have no pretension about, you know, this team being better than it actually is. They just hope for the, the best and the worst just continue, continues to happen. But I mean, the idea of this like completely falling apart seems unlikely, I suppose, unless you do, you know, swing for the fences on a deal with one of the core four. And I guess the guy that would, stand out the most is, is Mitch Marner, unless you like really, you, you, you are, you're, you're terrified of the potential of losing Austin Matthews for nothing. And it's like an earth shattering deal like that. It's, it's hard cam, despite who they, they hire here to envision things going so sideways that this becomes like a, and, and a franchise that, that is not one that's in the playoff mix or competing for a Stanley cup next season. Isn't it? Uh, yeah. It, it, there's a lot of weird decisions that's going to happen. That's going to, that's going to have to be made. The Mitch Marner thing. I do look at it like, man, there is something, though. Like, Kyle Dubas did a good job at getting Ryan O'Reilly, getting some of these guys um, to kind of fill in a little bit. Like, I'm, I'm looking at the roster now. You look at the back end, you're like, God, maybe you could have, like, maybe we could, you could have maybe diverted some of the, the, the skill to the, to the decor a little bit. But I like that he went for it. It didn't work out. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. It's tough. It's tough. It's, it's, a, it's a weird situation. Hey, listen, the Blues fans were tortured for a long time, too. Yeah. They were tortured for a long and the Blues were successful. They went like 25 years Not making true. the playoffs straight. Yep. And that's how we all got into it. Everybody, like how I started playing and all that stuff, the, the Blues were successful. I mean, it, it, it was, but, but they went through hell, not winning the Stanley Cup until they did. Things could turn around pretty quick. You never know. Who knows? A fourth round pick could be Nicholas Lindstrom. Like that happens. Like you just don't know. But um, I, I do feel again. I feel for the fans a little bit, man. You got guys busting their butt all day. They save all their money up. They go watch games. They support it. And it's nonstop. Yeah, some of them are obnoxious. You have that in every single market, by the way. Yeah. This the, the Leaf fans are just they're more abundant, and you get a little bit more of them. That's all. No big deal. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we let go, let's talk about one of the guys. I mean, the 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 main guy in that that 2019 Blues run, uh, Ryan O'Reilly, who of course hooks up with the the Maple Leafs for the stretch run postseason. He scores a big goal in, in the playoffs, and you know there was some some question about whether he was still a difference maker when they they went out and acquired him. And I I think he, he proved some people wrong, but he's a pending free agent. Do you have any any indication? Like, did did you see enough? Um, with him in Toronto, do you think the Leafs would be interested in bringing him back? Did he kind of change people's minds the the way he played down the stretch and into the playoffs for the Leafs? It's all about the money and term, dude. Yeah. And you know what? I get a question every single day from Blues fans, too. And Blues fans are like, God, let's bring back 90. Bring back 90. And they're like, what do you think, Cam? And I love Ryan O'Reilly. He is the coolest cat in the world on so many different levels. I don't even want to get into it. But... 
the Blues have gotten had him at his best years, and they won a couple of them. You had him at your best years. You're still going to have to overpay for him. He's getting a little older. He takes a beating. He takes blocked shots left and right. Like, it just depends, man. Like, it truly does. What does he want to do? What does he ask for? Somebody's going to overpay for him. Mm -hmm. I just, I I, I like when you get the guys and you had them, you had them at the best years. And if they go away and they come back for cheap, fine. But Ryan O'Reilly's not going to come back for cheap. Like, he's, and he's still playing good hockey. I just think he's getting a little bit older. He's had some wear and tear. And for the Blues fans talking for for this organization, I I would say, you know, unless he really takes a discount, then we, you know, I would go for it, but, um, but he, but listen, there's a lot more to Ryan O'Reilly than meets the eye on the ice. Like he just does a lot in the locker room, brings everybody together. It's a known winner. He could talk to the young guys. So you have to add all that up. And again, depending on what he wants in the term, like it's hard to answer that question. Cam, uh, this was great. Uh, hopefully the, the Maple Leafs continue to provide us with content. You're right. It's, it's not always great for the fans, but boy, the last four days have been something else here for, for people uh, sitting on this side of the microphone. It's good for the, for the radio guys, man. It's good for the way. And we're here to entertain everybody anyway. So <laughs> that's what we do. And, uh, you know, we have nothing to do with it. So if there's drama, we got to take advantage of it. Uh, thanks, Cam. See ya. See you guys. Uh, Cam Jansen, former NHL forward, host of the Cam and Strick podcast. So not quite as definitive as Frank Cervelli as far as Doug Armstrong and his potential availability to be the next general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I mean, take it back almost nine years ago. Would you have ever thought Lou Lamorella would be available to be the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs? He was made available. This is still an appealing job. I get it. I get what is appealing about not this job. Like I get that one. I get why Paul Maurice, despite the fact that he's also now one win away from the Stanley Cup final, I get why Paul Maurice is enjoying Sunrise, Florida, as opposed to Winnipeg, and there's like a lot of Winnipeg ain't Toronto. But I get it when you're not necessarily in the spotlight and you can go about your business and you can get a coffee, as Cam says, without being harassed. I get it. But holy cow, like I I just can't quite wrap my head around people reaching the heights of being the general manager of a National Hockey League team, being a star player on a National Hockey League team and not wanting the spotlight, wanting to live in obscurity, not believing that they could be the one, despite the fact that everybody over the last 50 years has thought they were going to be the one, but that you wouldn't think you're going to be the one to, to finally break through and bring the Stanley Cup to the city for the first time since 1967. And I, honestly, I can't help but think that if you don't want that, it's kind of a red flag. All right, time now for Last Call, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. It is the Dallas Stars trying to be like the only team in the playoffs right now, not going down three games to none. Uh, Vegas leads the Western Conference Final two games to none. It is game three tonight. Stars minus 148 favorites over the Stars, who are plus 125. NBA playoffs, it's the Celtics just trying to stay alive in game four. They're down three games to nothing against a team that was trailing the Chicago Bulls in a play-in game uh, and are the eighth seed. Celtics are underdogs to extend the series. Plus 104, Heat minus 122. Uh, Finals odds, Nuggets naturally the favorites at minus 305. And you got Jays Rays, game two of their four-game Set 
with Jose Barrios on the mound trying to snap a five-game slide. Blue Jays are underdogs. They are plus 115 in Tampa against the Rays, who are minus 132. Hey, Vlad, to Homer, he's plus 360. Matt Chapman, plus 375. Dalton Varsho, plus 390. Bo plus 540. That was Last Call, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. It's a whole new schedule, which means that baseball game is not upcoming because it's only 5 o'clock. At 5 o'clock, Blair and Barker, who are also on television. And then after that, 6.30, you watch the Blue Jays game on Sportsnet 1. You can listen to it on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'll be back tomorrow. Another 3 to 5 edition of The Fan Drive Time. I'm Ben Ennis, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.